The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This episode of the Bearstalk Underground has been brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. And Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It really is the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. <laughs> What's up, guys? Uh, here we are. First episode of 2021, or the first official. 2021 episode uh thus beginning our 15th season of the bears talk underground podcast thank you so much for joining me for all of my ogs out there here we go again a new off season that we'll be navigating our way through uh, as we trudge this vast wasteland known as the nfl off season uh the bears are going to be a hot topic throughout the process especially with this quarterback thing uh up in arms um, you will hear that as part of this conversation towards the tail end uh, of it. But um, um, Lauren hit me up yesterday, uh, or excuse me, not yesterday, on Friday. Um, texted me, said he was going to be in my neck of the woods. Wanted to know if I wanted to get together, maybe record uh, a podcast. We didn't really know what we were going to talk about. Lauren kind of had the idea of sticking with a Super Bowl theme. And um, we kind of took it from there. Recapping the 2006 uh, Bears, our, our last Super Bowl team, talking about the game itself, uh, the season, and how it uh, how it went, and the ups and downs uh, of that year, uh, and and what a fun year that it was, and 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 how dominant they were at times, uh, and 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 the sad ending of them not being able to uh, to see it all the way through uh, in the Super Bowl. But um, it was a uh, it was a really fun deal having him here. Uh, in my apartment, sitting across from each other. And you'll notice a difference in the conversation itself. Like you can actually tell that we're in the same room. And, and when you when you hear it, you'll know that you'll know what I'm saying. There's a there's a very different um very different way of, of, of how we interact when when you're sitting on Skype and you can't see each other. Um, basically you're you're waiting for your cue to speak as opposed to when you're sitting across from someone and they can see you the conversation goes a different way. So um, you'll see what I'm talking about when we get into the conversation. We had a really great time talking. We dove uh, we dove in deep on the 06 Bears. I dazzled Lauren with my uh, off-the-cuff uh, memory. You'll hear him comment about that uh, and, and whatnot. And um, so overall, it was a great time. I hope you guys enjoy the uh, the conversation. And hopefully this is the first of many uh, off-season uh, episodes. Uh, if you guys have any ideas of anything you want to hear me talk about during this off-season just to fill the time, feel free to throw them out to me. 
btu un- underscore btu btu underscore larry uh on twitter hit me up on the facebook page bears talk underground join the group and and uh whatnot and uh we'll see what we can do uh from there so without further ado let's go ahead and and uh bring in uh my conversation with myself and uh, and lauren cox talking about the 06 bears and super bowl 41 So here we are, and we're actually live in front of each other for the first time ever. It's myself and Lauren Cox sitting in my living room using this awesome contraption called the Roadcaster Pro, which I will be owning <laughs> very shortly. As, as soon as President Biden tosses me that 1400 stimulus check, I am buying this thing. It is so awesome. Lauren Cox, welcome back to the show. Welcome to Cedar Rapids in my glorious apartment, man. Yeah, you should come out saying, here we are. Literally, here we are. Yes, we are. We are both here. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a pandemic podcast. You know, we're sitting almost six feet apart. Almost. We, yeah. we trust each other close enough. You know, we're not, we're not out here going Never mind that parties. handshake when you walked in, but it's all yeah, right. Yeah, uh, let me grab the hand sanitizer. Let me go wash my hands. There's yeah. actually some hand sanitizer. Yeah, I, I just right looked over there. over. there is some. There is some right there. But, I also uh, see a ni- nice awards for uh, best... Best play-by-play announcer over there. Best play-by-play, best color, because I did both positions. Best on-air radio personnel. You got all the awards up around here. Yeah, I swept the category, bro. I was the man. It's an award-winning podcast. Absolutely. Very nice. Why wouldn't it be? Well, anyway. (laughs) Today's today's podcast is Let's Describe Larry's Living Room. That's right. So I got a bookshelf (laughs) over there, and there's there's my my home workstation. Anyway, um, so... Uh, Lauren literally texted me yesterday to see if uh, I was free today because he was going to be in town um, for other reasons and uh, wanted to stop by and see if maybe we want to do a show, we want to hang out, maybe meet in person for the first time since we've actually been doing uh, guest spots on each other's show for five seasons now i think 2016 was the first year something like yeah, that. yeah i was trying to think back i couldn't i felt like five years was about the uh yeah about the amount. i mean I, I wasn't i think you brought me on your podcast before yeah. i started locked on bears well then, i tried in no disrespect i tried to get um was it brian yeah brian perez brian perez i was gonna say alvarez i knew that wasn't right uh, brian perez and he's like well actually i'm not free when you want to do it so maybe i'll get one of my colleagues to do it and he threw me lauren cox is a match made in heaven so here he is once again well, um, the dirty secret there is that Brian Perez threw me the Lockdown Bears podcast because he didn't want to keep he, he couldn't keep up with the five day a week schedule. Is that right? Yeah, I mean it was oh, just wow. he's, I don't I mean I don't want to put his personal business out there, but he's a very busy man with important things that he does for his day job. Nice. And uh, it's, it was a little bit too much for me, so he he actually started well he Arthur Arkush started the podcast first. Uh-huh. He did it for like a season or half a season. Then that off season, Brian started doing it and couldn't keep up and pass it on to me. So. He's passed a number of things and on this, to me over the, the years. And, and that's that well. really uh, lucky for you because that network literally exploded in the time that you've been a part of it. it there were some months of very low paychecks. I'm sure. Very close to zero with still five days a week podcast. So the motivation is much, much higher nowadays. <laughs> I think Brian might still be doing it if he if, oh, uh, for sure. I if bet. it was at this level. I bet. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially since the network just sold to somebody. Yeah, we got. I mean, we're still going to be the same network. We're just under the big Tegna yeah, umbrella. Yeah. So it's it used to be the broadcasting arm of Gannett, the newspaper mm. company. Right. They they're now our uh, our parent, and they're a great company. It sounds like, and 
we're doing they're already putting some of our podcasts on TV stations. So like nice. we'll do the sports cast for TV stations. Of course, nice. there are no uh, Chicago area Tegna stations. So not all of us get the full benefit of the uh, <laughs> of the acquisition there. No, but it's great. It, it, it'll be great. But it's Super Bowl weekend. It's Saturday before the game and uh, Lauren and I with no idea what we wanted to talk about thought that we would talk about Super Bowls related to our beloved Chicago Bears and um we had to go with Super Bowl 41 or we didn't have to but kind of Lauren kind of wasn't alive in 1985 so there are some things that are too good to keep a secret like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He wouldn't remember Super Bowl twenty, the glorious experience that that was. I mean, I was only seven years old at the time, but I still remember it that, that uh, very well. Overdone. You know, I mean, not all. That's can't, true. Can't, that you w- can't overdo it, but it's been, I guess, well. It's been well documented. Yeah, and O six so, hasn't gotten the much as much love because because they lost. Well, yeah, we yeah. didn't win. I mean, but um, not everybody wants to remember yeah. that. Well, one. one thing, and and I can, and I will take this to the grave with me, is that the game itself wasn't that great. So Super Bowl forty one, Super Bowl forty one, like the it, game itself it started great, man. Was not a very entertaining football <laughs> game, you know. I mean, even with the high flying Peyton Manning, I think what he finished like two hundred thirty yards or something. Like that, it was more about the fact that he was kind of picking the defense apart in that game that he resulted in being the MVP or, or, or whatever. But I was like, I re- the, the thing that I will take as far as the pride is that that's the, the moment where Hester runs the kickback yeah. is the moment everybody remembers. It's iconic. Game. Yeah, no one rem- – I mean, maybe the late interception by Tracy – was it Tracy maybe. Porter? No, no, no. It was, that, was, um, uh, that's, that was the Saints, Tracy Porter. I was going to say Tim Jennings, but it's not Tim Jennings. <laughs> it was there. I got the game He up also here. played for the Bears, the it guy that – Kelvin Hayden. There you go. Yes. Kelvin Hayden. The pick six. That's yeah. like the only other memory of – the only other like standout moment. Yeah. Well, because that was that kind game. of like the nail in the coffin yeah. for the game yeah. was, was him running that back and watching all of our offensive linemen try to play defense on that play. <laughs> was like, oh, God. Once he got past the the the, the, the wide receivers and stuff, I was like, up, oh, it's done. Nobody's yeah. catching him now. And it, well, I mean, it was still there was still like eleven and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter, and we'll get we'll get more in depth in that game. Right. But like there was still time after that, but we all knew. I mean, yeah. we, we we all knew that was kind of it, you know. But um, so we're kind of gonna go through uh, a, a, you know the season itself, two thousand six. Kind of talk about the experience of that year. The Bears coming off of this is only year number three for Lovey. And year one was that transition, brand new coach, kind of feeling his way around. Were they five and eleven, four and twelve, and oh four? Five and eleven. Then they come out guns blazing in two thousand five. 
uh, but not necessarily on offense. We we literally had one of the most dominant defenses ever that would never really get its credit outside of Chicago because they didn't win that year. I know you that's know? your big – that's one of your big, like – passion like soapbox spots is that 2005 defense well dude just go back and look <laughs> at the at bears right like just look at the games in 2005 in 16 games <laughs> our opponents scored 10 points or less in eight of those games yeah you're right just, just counting them yeah, yeah this was an offense it, that was led by kyle orton because our because uh rex grossman goes down in the preseason and um chad quarterback was so awful in the in the preseason that Kyle Orton beat him out for the job. So we were starting a rookie fourth-round draft yeah. pick as our number one quarterback that year, and we were averaging, I think, maybe 16 points a game or something like that on offense. <laughs> and, you know, after starting one and three, the Bears won eight games in a row. We're nine and three. Um, we, beat, we got beat by the Steelers. That broke the streak. But Kyle Orton, as a starter that year, was like, 10 and 4 or something like that. Grossman comes back late in the year against the Falcons on Sunday night football and and the whole the whole thing. And the Achilles heel being our offense was when we played the Panthers in that divisional round in 05. First play of the game, something like that. Steve Smith 80-yard touchdown pass and then like the second drive uh, the Bears turn the football over, and Carolina scores again. We're down 14 nothing before anybody's beer gets cold, and it was a struggle for the offense to catch up when they're playing a 14 nothing hole despite having one of the best defenses that nobody ever talks about. See, and I think that's, that's why I want to do a podcast like this because as much as like people don't want to remember the 06 season, that exact situation you just described there, defense is lights out, offense can't do anything, can't turn the ball. That has been your Chicago Bears for thirty years. You know what I mean? Doesn't you could that that was describing the middle of this season, two thousand twenty. Oh, that was man. describing you know yeah. maybe not twenty eighteen, but that was describing so much. Not just two thousand six, but like that's sort of the, I think the underlying. Theme well, I mean that's here. the Cutler years right yeah. there. You know we had those outstanding defenses. We had our franchise quarterback, but our franchise quarterback had no supporting cast, so our offense couldn't do anything if Matt Forte wasn't doing all the heavy lifting. You know, because if it was Matt Forte had 100 yards receiving one in like 2011, 2012, one of those seasons, you know, but also rushing for a thousand yards. And yet we still had like the 24th ranked offense in the NFL that year. See, but it felt like at least early on there in 06, almost like that was changing. It was maybe it was oh, fool's dude. gold at first, but like yeah. there was an offense. I mean, it wasn't. You know, it wasn't the greatest show on turf, but there was an offense in addition to what was an, an absolutely dominant defense, especially those first, what, five, six games of the season. Yeah, I mean, the first game of the season against Green Bay, and what a way to kick it off. We go to Lambeau, we play the Packers, we shut them out. Green Bay did not score a point week one against the Bears in Lambeau. <laughs> Brett, Brett Favre, 15 of 29 for 170 yards, two picks. <laughs> two picks. <laughs> Beautiful. And two things happened that um, that really kind of gave us an indication that, that this was going to be a different kind of year. Number one, there was like a big like deep bomb play to Berrien from Grossman to Berrien. I think it might have been like right off the bat, like in the first quarter, like yep. the first drive. 49-yard touchdown Yeah, pass. hits Berrien for a 49-yard touchdown. And then to seal the game off at the end, our rookie second-round pick, Devin Hester, runs a punt back 
to make it 23 to nothing. Boom. 26, yeah. 26, excuse me. Bears win. And it was just like, what a statement. You know, what a statement. Because even though the Packers were, were kind of struggling in those, those last years of, of Favre and everything, they were still on like this 14-year run with Favre where they won the division more times than they didn't. So for the Bears to come out that week and, and that's to, to kick off the season that way was one hell of a statement. We shut out Green Bay and the great Brett Favre in Lambeau to start the season. And just to put pe- pull people behind the curtain here, it's funny. I'm sitting here, right? I'm I'm looking at my laptop as I'm going back through the season. Larry's just doing this off of his memory. And, like, I pull up the Packers game, and I'm, like, I'm reading it silently, and he's describing to me <laughs> what I am reading just off the top of his memory. That Packers game I pulled up, I was like, yep, 26-0, Green Bay. He's like, yeah, first quarter, Bernard Berry and 49-yard pass from Rex Grossman. Yeah, that, that's what I'm reading, too. And then he's like, and then at the end, I'm like, Devin Hester, 84-yard punt return. Devin Hester takes a punt return back at the end to make it. And I just had to correct him on the 23 versus the 26 final score. But other than that, the uh, the encyclopedia over there is spot on. Yeah, I'm pretty good at that stuff. I, I kind of freak people out with my memory sometimes. But, um, yeah, so I mean, week two was actually a game I didn't get to watch because a buddy of mine um, was a season ticket holder. No, not yet, not at the time. But he had tickets to the – Colts Texans at the RCA Dome. Mm. I think it was like the last season for the RCA Dome. Rest in peace. So I got to see the Colts home opener that year in person in Indianapolis. And, uh, you know, they smashed poor David Carr. Dwight Freeney (laughs) sacked him like four times in that game. Like Freeney himself (laughs) sacked David Carr like two or three times in that game. And um, meanwhile, I'm watching the scoreboard because Grossman throws like four touchdown passes against the Lions week two in the, in the Bears home opener uh, as well. Like they're just rattling it. Hey, Desmond Clark here. So and so there, you know, and it was just like, you know, a huge win for the Bears. Two division wins right off the right off the bat. And, and Rex Grossman throwing the ball like a savage when he's finally healthy. Let me let me test your encyclopedia for that game. Oh, here um, we go. So you got you got some of the touchdowns, right? He threw four touchdowns. Uh, Bernard Barron, Desmond Clark were two of them. The other two were to a player who did not have a very productive season outside of that game. That game was his only notable production for the season as a whole. Bottom of the roster, skill position player, caught two passes for eight yards and two touchdowns in that game. Hmm. See, before you said the two touchdowns for eight yards, I was going to say something like Mark Bradley, but... Um... This one was hard. I, this is a, this is a name that I'm like I don't remember that name. So bottom of the roster, it's got to be a tight end if it's two play two catches for eight yards. Correct. Um, Do you remember the Bears' backup tight end? Uh, this might be third string. Yeah. No, I can't remember it. I know I'm gonna hate myself. So you know, like when I started saying, I thought, well, you could you might be able to guess like Jason McKee in there. You know, he was right. involved, or like Adrian Peterson, the running back. But John Gilmore, oh, the tight wow. end. John Gilmore. Had two touchdowns Number against the Lions. Number 85. I remember John Gilmore. So that season, he finished with six catches for 38 yards and two touchdowns. <laughs> two of those catches and both of those touchdowns were against so the Lions. So one-third of his catches took place in that game and both of his touchdowns. Yeah, he was the uh, the red zone option there. Nice. Nice. Who so I stumped week, him. Who we play week three? Uh, wow, you're you're really off the rails here completely. Vikings, at Vikings. At that Vikings. was a little bit of a tighter matchup. Oh, my God. Matchup. Um, Rasheed Davis winning touchdown. That was an amazing finish. Minute 53 left. Yeah. Yeah. Bears had to go on a last minute drive. Rasheed Davis is wide open down the seam, hits him, 
And I remember Rasheed Davis's touchdown interception. He kind of hugged himself and did like the raw, you know, kind of thing <laughs> as he, you know, kind of threw the ball. But yeah, that was an amazing game. The, a back and forth thing. A lot of field goals. Yeah, but not, but a lot of back yeah. and forth. Touchdown yeah. there at the very end. Um, yeah, that was sweet. I remember Rex Grossman that one. pick six in there to Antoine Winfield. Oh man, yeah, it was field goal, field goal, field goal, field goal, pick six, field goal, field goal, field goal. Rashid Davis. <laughs> yeah, and that, but like that's how that Bears team worked. I mean, like, but I was just going to say they moved that. the ball. They, they they did move the football. They were able to put field goals on the board, and it was never um, like the guy that you thought it was going to be that ended up kind of being the hero. Like Rashid Davis is not the person you would think would be the go to guy in that situation. No. And Grossman finds him wide open. And obviously the Vikings didn't either because he was wide open <laughs> down the middle of the field. You know, that what was like, it, like a 20-something yard touchdown yeah, pass? I think 26, yeah. 26. So, yeah, it was it was not a like, you know, a big deep play or anything like that. But he was wide open down the seam. All he's got to do is catch the football. That's where it was put perfectly. And, boom, he, he nailed it, and the Bears win the game. That seems like it's like a Bears-Vikings thing, where the Bears against the Vikings randomly get guys like Devin or Roma Shadu right, to catch exactly. a, a late touchdown pass. First thing that came to my it's mind. Not, it's not your number one. It's not your number two. It might not be your number three, but somebody's open. It's the John Gilmores and the— But it's like that game, that 0-9 game against the Vikings with, with the Roma Shadu, yeah. that bought him like another three years in the league. Oh, completely. Because he had like 180 yards receiving and two touchdowns. The He had the walk-off winner in overtime— uh, in that one, I mean, he had a career game against the Vikings that night. And even, you know, now that I think about it, Javon Wims last year, or was it his rookie season at the end of the year, that game where he came on, and it was like, that was the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. But yeah, you're right, Aroma should do, uh, because he's because the, the Vikings signed him, and they yeah. made him like their number three receiver. He had like yeah. 500 yards for them one year. Yeah, wow. Huh. Weird, it's again, weird Bears offensive Well, I mean, history. the Bears had no business winning that game in 09. You no. know, the Vikings... If the Vikings win that game, they are the home. They are the the top seed in the NFC, and that's why they had to go to the Superdome to oh, play the right. to play the Saints in the NFC title that game because they lost to the Bears Week 16 on Monday Night Football. The Bears, I think, were six and ten, seven and nine. Yeah, six and nine, year. right there. Yeah, yeah, finished seven and nine. So it's like we had no business beating the the Vikings were world beaters, and, and that was the that Brett year. Favre year. Yeah, yeah. okay, that was that's the how- like was that was Favre's last great year. His hurrah. Because he played in 2010, and that's when his age started to show up. Oh, man. So. Wow. It all, but, it all comes back to that 06 season, man. It's, it always starts there yeah. with, with this Bears team. And, and how offensively, you know, like we were talking before we started recording, how they finished, like, second in the league in scoring that year in terms of points scored. Yeah. And they were they seem to, like you just said with the field goals, they seem to get a lot of good yards. They struggled offensively at finish drives, but then yeah. you add in eight extra touchdowns from special teams and – I don't know, however many more touchdowns from defense. That's yeah. so. That's the, how you get those next. It's couple a of misleading blocks. stat because yeah. that wasn't all the offense that uh, was putting those points on the. Uh, yeah, because yeah, on the board you get like the the next game against the the Seattle Seahawks, and it wasn't like Rex Rosen is putting up four touchdowns or anything like that. I mean, the offense was able to move, and they that were able was to such an going, awesome but, game that week that week four matchup against the Seahawks. It was Sunday Night Football, and. The Seahawks were the defending NFC champions, mm-hmm. and we smoked the Seahawks in that game. Barryan had a big, six. yeah. Barryan had a deep touchdown pass at one point uh, in that game. Mm-hmm. We absolutely shut down uh, Alexander, I believe, and the MVP. Uh, yeah, the the reigning MVP of the league. Uh, the you know defending NFC champions, national TV, Sunday Night Football. I think it was like year one for Sunday Night Football as well. 
And this was like the marquee matchup of the early season. And, you know, it was supposed to be this huge battle. And it was an absolute laugher of a football game. The Bears <laughs> murdered Seattle in that game. <laughs> really cemented themselves as the team to beat uh, in the NFC. Because I remember uh, after that game, power rankings came out. And who was number one? The Chicago Bears. Yeah, that that was the their really come show themselves moment. Like, now you believe that this is a team that can do something special. I mean, yeah. you, you like to think Super Bowl, but at week five, it's kind of like, you know, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. I remember that feeling of like, it seems like it's all here, but we've been through this before, yeah. right? So I mean, we, four we know games, what this feeling is. Four games in, three division wins, and we knock off the defending NFC champion. So, I mean, the Bears have won four very important games yeah. to start off the year, and that start earned our beloved Rex Grossman uh, offensive player of the month for the for <laughs> September, and he never recovered uh, from that, or he never got back to being that guy for the rest of the year. For the rest of the year, it was like watching Mitch Trubisky, where you see flashes of greatness, but you know at the same time he doesn't look confident. He's making mistakes, and I know that happened more in the eras. Who was Week Five? Buffalo. But, that, oh, that was yeah. the defense. I mean, just That's, we destroyed JP the lost Bills. It. Yeah, that I don't game know. was not fair. The Bills were a not good football team uh, that year. We absolutely it, destroyed. It was twenty-seven nothing at halftime. Yeah, it, it was. was uh, it was a laugh of yeah. a football game. They had no business coming to Chicago. They, that they scored their they scored their garbage time touchdown with a minute left. It was right. forty to nothing up to that point. It was <laughs> so it was such a bad yeah. game. And I was you, like, good God, you wonder if they if they rode that a little bit too much into the Arizona game. You know, feeling like yeah. they're on top of the world. They just beat all those good teams, and they smoked the Bills. And the Arizona Cardinals at the time were 1-4 yeah. under Dennis Green. They were Green. not a good football They team. were bad teams. So, yeah. They Bears were talented, just... but they just couldn't put it together. because no. They had they are Bolden, they, they had were. Fitzgerald, I mean, yeah. they had Matt Leinart, you know, and they had some good players on defense as well. They just Edgar never James. really put it together yeah. under Denny Green, unfortunately. So... But well, they, they got... Yeah, well, and then, of course, they started to put it together in that in that game. Yeah, the famous right the off infamous. the bat too, man. Right off the bat, they got off to an early lead. I think they put their first two drives into the end zone, just making this defense that had looked dominant and untouchable. I mean, we just we held the defending NFC champions to like six points. You said week four, yes. And then you know, it's just like we we shut out the Packers. Uh, you know, to close. We we blow out the the. Um, Bills. The Lions, the Bills. We, you know, we got the, the the win over the Vikings. We got the, you know, seven points against the Bills and uh, and everything. We're just we're rolling through here, and then right off the bat, Arizona just makes the Bears look incompetent. And maybe there was some foreshadowing here to how the year would go, in part because and I'm like looking back at that game and I get like some Matt Nagy flashbacks a little bit of like you know they started off that game passing for whatever reason they they didn't want to run the ball I mean they handed off to Thomas Jones once on the first drive oh man didn't hand it off on the second drive or the third drive it was pass 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 well pass, here's pass. the thing there was a pass early on in that game to Barian it was incomplete and I felt like. If he completes that pass... First, first play of the game. Yeah, literally like the first play of it the is. game. If he hits Barian for that play, because I think he just barely misses the play, barely misses the pass, if he hits that one, I think it's a completely different game. But for some reason, like he missed the mark and it just seemed like he never really got his mojo going in that game, and it only got worse as we went along. Yeah, because then from there, one of his next deep shots was picked off. Yeah. Trying to hit Moose and Muhammad, and that was easily turned around for a touchdown. Two drives later, deep pass to Bernard Berry and picked off again. Like he had, it was like that moment 
yeah. is where it flipped, and it never quite he, fully he was, came back. He was pressing for the rest of it, and I remember Joe Theismann in that broadcast made a comment where, and and the funny thing was, is like I was thinking the exact same thing when when Theismann said it was like he absolutely refuses to look at the underneath routes. Like mm-hmm. he was trying to hit a home run every time he threw the ball after he missed that first throw. You know, it was almost like trying to watch somebody play Madden where they're trying to hit the deep ball, hit the deep ball, hit the deep ball, and I'm going to keep throwing this pass until we complete it kind of thing. And Grossman kept trying to hit that deep shot, and I think it was because the Bears were falling behind and he was trying to get us some quick points, trying to swing the momentum some way, and he was just pressing all night long, and he just like it was just making matters worse. He threw four picks. He got strip-sacked twice, uh, six turnovers, and then the last play of the third quarter, Mark Anderson, who I believe was a rookie in 06, yes. destroys Matt Leinert from behind because the right tackle thought it was a good idea to just let him run right past him. <laughs> Mike Brown, this was the game Mike Brown got himself hurt in. We lost him for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. But Mike Brown recovers the fumble like Mike Brown always did, runs it in for a touchdown, and we're off and running now. Was- we're finally on the board. Because I think it was 20 to nothing at that point. The Bears had gotten a field goal, like a drive or two before okay, at the so beginning like of the third quarter. Now it's it was 20 tw- it was twenty three three. Okay, sack, force, fumble, touchdown, twenty three ten. Then a little bit, you know, a few drives later, it's another force fumble by Erlacher. Yeah, rips the ball right at Edger and James's hands. Peanut Tillman picks it up, gone. Yeah, twenty three seven. But it was like you you started to get an inkling. I remember I, I was telling you before we started yeah. recording, I was a big fan of Bill Simmons at the time, and he had this. Uh, this article called Take Two on ESPN.com, and he would do these things called running diaries where he'd be watching like a, an event, a football game, baseball, basketball, whatever, and he'd be checking in like 8.09 p.m., so-and-so makes this shot. You should see the look on blah, blah, blah's face or whatever. I decided for whatever reason I was going to do that myself because I had a message board at the time. A buddy of mine, we had a podcast called Sports Talk Underground that we were doing, and I thought I would do that and post it on my message board so our, our fans or whatever remember those read. days oh my god <laughs> message boards and stuff like that I, th- I, th- I think that's how we all all of this you know the not mainstream bears media people yeah. you know sort of us on the underground i guess right i feel like we all started on some kind of bears message board oh for but regardless sure. that, but this was Absolutely. like that era this was 2000 like yeah we were going through this season on those message boards yeah man. for some for some of us it was like oh i'm on the espn 1000 message board uh, and I'm yeah doing this and me and my buddy we created our own because we had a podcast at the time so I was going to post it there, and that night of all nights was the night that I decided to do this running diary, and here I am keeping track of this this, this horrif- horrifying game that we're having. You know, after we, you know, 5-0, and we look like the most unbeatable team in the league, and we're getting our asses handed to us by the 1-4 Cardinals, and then slowly in the fourth quarter, the you know, the Cardinals are who we thought they were, and let us back into the football game and then the cherry on top was me at 10 30 at night trying to scream my head off without screaming my head off when Devin Hester runs the game winner back what an incredible moment well you know what I mean it's like you know they force the fumble again and get the the touchdown back you know it's a one score game there's like five minutes left Cardinals are driving again with the ball and not that they were lighting it up but they they picked up a couple of first downs in there Bears defense finally gets a stop it's and it's but the, the, they pin Hester back. He's caught that like the 17 yard yeah. line, and you're like, it was like an 84, 85, yeah, 80, yard 83 touchdown yard touchdown, pe- yeah. touchdown return. And it's like we we didn't have any confidence that like 
Rex Grossman, if, if he hadn't returned, you know, if, if Devin Hester has to fair catch that ball, I mean, it was a, what, a 50-yard punt, but yeah. if he doesn't take that back... Who the, knows? There, I mean, yeah. he, ca- he catches that with 317 left in the game is when they punted that ball. I don't know that there's enough time for, for Rex Grossman in that game and with the way the offense was playing. That no. they, they, I mean, they needed that touchdown unless the defense was going to score again on right. the following drive, which just was not... I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I mean, and I just remember... I just just absolutely freaking out, and I'm jumping up and down, screaming into a pillow. My mother comes into the living room, <laughs> like, "What is wrong with you?" You know, and I'm just like, ah, 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 "You know, the lead." You know, yeah. I just I was going banana. And I remember after Rackers misses the field goal, the Bears secure the victory. We win twenty four to twenty three. We're six and zero. Oh. I think we had our bye week after this. And yep. um, I, I called my dad, who famously like texted me and said, I'm going to bed. I'm not watching any more of this. Before That was before Mike Brown scored the first touchdown. So my dad missed all of it. <laughs> so, so I had yeah. no guilt whatsoever waking him up at like 11 o'clock to tell him, you missed it. We came back and won this game. You'll never believe it. You know, so when you get up tomorrow, make sure you watch SportsCenter and see the highlights because you have that was to the see only way you could it. back yeah. then. <laughs> you have to you have to go back and watch it. You have to check it on SportsCenter because you'll you'll have to see it to believe it. Me telling you doesn't do it justice. Uh, that, yeah, that's I mean, that's the legendary moment of that season. It is that, because that's when you knew this team was special. Yes. You know, you we thought they were see, good. Before. Yeah, you thought they were good, maybe even great in those first five weeks. But this is when, you know, we it was a the, – the defense and special teams picked up the slack where the offense let us down uh, in that football game. It literally let us down. Six turnovers. We had no business winning that game. I mean, obviously against a better team, we definitely lose that game. But, you know, this is what great teams do. This is what special teams do. They find a way to win in the face of certain defeat. <laughs> the pun intended there, special, this is what special teams yeah, does. absolutely. Spe- special teams in particular. So, But that was only Devin Hester's second return of the season. So he was seen as something. But as like after he did that, Devin Hester's on the map now. And now people are trying to watch out for him, even though they stupidly keep kicking it to him for the rest of the season. Well, the problem was after that, Rex Grossman was the opposite. You know what I mean? Oh, like, for like sure. We, like we were already leading up to because then you get six turnovers in the loss to the Dolphins. Not all Rex Grossman, but I think he threw three picks in that game. You get four turnovers in the loss to the Patriots there, a little bit farther down. Mm-hmm. They still beat the Vikings with five turnovers, but like six turnovers in that Week 17 game against the Packers. Like oh, as, as much as we felt like this team was special, yeah, there were some very real issues, but it, yeah. it was almost like they didn't matter. The rest of the team was so good. Yeah. It didn't the matter. defense was awesome. The special teams was the best in the NFL. You know, like Brandon uh, Ayabadejo made yes. the Pro Bowl that year. One of my, one of my all-time favorite Chicago players, yeah. Brandon Ayabadejo. Yeah, letting well him, done on the pronunciation. Yeah, let him, letting him get away was a big mistake. Oh, um, you know, to I think they haven't recovered Ravens. since. Yeah, he went to the Ravens and won a <laughs> Super Bowl with them, and you know all that kind of stuff. Man, he he played several years after he left chicago but it's like he was our special teams ace he made the pro bowl as a special teamer for us they had so many good special teams players yeah like guys that it it was one of those rare teams where it's like like you needed to know them we had guys that had no business playing special teams playing special teams that's true too because i remember like that week one uh punt return against the the packers uh what's his name hester's running side by side with peanut tillman yeah 
It's like, why is Peanut Tillman on the punt return team? But that, but that spoke so much to that team. Like they wanted to be on yeah. special teams. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, because I, I imagine in the modern NFL, if a player really wanted to, he could play special teams. They just yeah. don't. They don't really want to. They've got backups to do that. And but like the Bears in that time, I remember that like Tillman wanted to play special teams. Like I, if I remember it, like Mark Anderson, Adewale Agunle were sometimes running down on kickoff returns. You know, mm-hmm. your big defensive ends, athletic defensive ends, but you know, two hundred and sixty-five pounds guys running down there because they wanted to not only yeah. because they wanted to block for Hester and that, that was so much fun but just sure. that was the mentality of the team it was like but these are vital guys yes. these are guys that are important you not don't just want to be special hurt. teams yeah. but these guys hold a sacred spot on the roster and they're out there playing special teams downs but that also kind of speaks to why we were so damn good at it yeah Adrian Peterson was so critical I mean so many of those guys that are just like well it's a third string running back it's your fourth string cornerback you know like yeah what does it matter but like it really did. I mean, like the linebackers, you know, Rod Wilson and Jamar Williams and Hunter Hillenmeyer, all these guys that no one, you know, no one at home watching the NFL, no average NFL fan at that time would know. But like right. you, ha- you almost had to know them watching the Bears because it was just they were they were always the ones that were right there for Hester on kickoffs and punt returns. Yeah. So I mean that that one we talked about it briefly before we started recording the punt return for for Hester in that Week 13 game against the the Vikings. It was like what, like forty-five yards? You said something yeah, like that. Yeah, forty-five. Because he he was punting from his own end zone, and Hester <laughs> caught it before our own fifty. He like splits like three defenders, and he's running. He's getting there, and it just seemed like he caught the ball, and then he was in the end zone. That's how short he had to go to get there. And one of the people he landed on top of in the end zone was Peanut Tillman. It's <laughs> like so Peanut's blocking for him. He lands on top of Peanut in the end zone. It's just, and I think even Devin, Desmond Clark was on special teams and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It's just amazing the guys that were so important uh, that had bigger roles on the team but were also playing special teams and that's why the unit was as good as it was. Yeah, and that Vikings game is, is a good one. Not, I mean, it, it, I was going to say, like, it, it's in the category of the Cardinals game, not, not nearly as miraculous of a finish, but just one of those examples of, like, when the Bears' offense could be its worst, mm-hmm. at its worst, and the Bears still win. Like, that game started with the punt return touchdown. There was a Ricky Manning pick six in that one, a safety as well. I mean, the, they, the Bears' defense and special teams, another one of those games where they outscored their offense and they beat the Vikings by 10. Like, yeah. but, but Rex Grossman gets outdueled in that game by a combination of Brad Johnson, Brooks Bollinger, and Tavares Jackson. <laughs> Because Rex Grossman goes 6 of 19 for 34 yards and three picks. Yeah, and, and that was the, the, the super famous, or now infamous, Rex is our quarterback press conference yes. after. And that was big for that season, but it doesn't it really get remembered. The, the, the press conference gets remembered, but yeah. if, if you had asked me before I walked in the door here, which game in 2006 was the Rex is our quarterback, I wouldn't have been able to tell you off yeah. the top of my head. But it's just like Lovey kept repeating because the, the Chicago press was after him. Yeah. You know, it's like, we th- you know, this is not the first time he's turned the ball over five times in a football <laughs> yeah. game. You know, he did it again today. It's getting to that critical part of the season. What are we going to do about Grossman? We did have Brian Greasy as our backup that year. We actually went out and signed Greasy to be a quality backup. Uh, Kyle Orton, God bless him, for all of his efforts in 2005, was our third-string emergency quarterback yeah. that whole season. You know, for are we going to give Greasy a shot? Do you think he might be able to go in there and do better or, you know, play smarter than Grossman is? And Lovey's answer is that, guys, we're 10 and 2. Rex is our quarterback. Guys, we're 10 and 2. Rex is our quarterback. So it was just okay. You know, yeah. Lovey's steadfast in the fact that Grossman's our quarterback. We're going with him. A lot of Chicago media and Chicago fans alike were not exactly thrilled with that answer, but couldn't argue with the fact that. 
We played 12 games. We won 10 of them despite Rex Grossman. Yeah, we never really saw Greasy. I mean, I think looks like late in that season, like in Week 17 against the Packers, they yeah. threw him out there. But, I mean, the Bears were already locked up for pretty much what they wanted to do. But it's a little bit sad that both Thomas Jones and Brad Maynard attempted more passes that season than Kyle Orton. <laughs> you know what I mean? As much, for, for as well as Kyle Orton had played the year before, you get the halfback pass, you get the fake punt pass, you can't get Kyle Orton in there. Yeah. Yeah. Gre- Greasy did get some end-of-the-game garbage time against the Bills and the 49ers and some other teams in there, it looks yeah. like. Yeah. <sighs> we played the 49ers. We murdered them, too, didn't 41-10, we? 41-10, yes. That was our re- was that our recovery game after the, the Dolphins? Uh, that was right before the Dolphins, actually. Okay. It was right after the bye week. After the Dolphins was the Giants win. Okay. They still threw three picks in that one. And then after the – and then they went – the Patriots lost into the Vikings barely win. The Giants. That was another Sunday night game. That was the famous yes. – uh, Miss that was the kick six for Hester. Is that the miss? That's not the missed field goal. It is. is. It? Oh yeah, he tried to kick like a fifty-four yarder and he missed hundred eight yard return. I guess. Yeah. See, I always mix that up with the one that the Chargers had, where it was not. It wasn't Cromartie. Cromartie. Yeah. Where and so so I in my head I always think that it, the Bears did it against the Chargers because I combined them. And, right. But right, no, the right. Giants missed. Yeah. No, it was and at the time it was the longest play in NFL history when when Hester ran mm-hmm. that one back. And that's the one so. where like he catches it and he's like. Start, starts yeah, to he's fake like a walking knee. and everybody's yeah. kind of strolling around and just gone. Yeah, thankfully, it wasn't like a uh, you know California Stanford thing where offense and defense were coming onto the field before heaven, um, before Devin took off running. But um, yeah, he runs. And again, you go back and watch that play, and you'll see Hunter Hillenmeyer makes a crazy yeah. ass block. Uh, Charles Tillman takes somebody out. I think even Erlacher yeah. was on the field goal kick return. The field goal uh, block team. Uh, the field goal block yeah, team. Yeah, Erlacher Briggs. I think we're both there. It's almost your whole starting defense. Yeah, pretty for much. The most part. And, Mike Brown would have been there, but I think. He and was if hurt I was him. a special teams coach, honestly, I would try to find a way to be able to block for field goals with other than offensive linemen, because if in a situation like that. You're screwed if the guy gets out into the open field because there are literally like maybe four, maybe four um, athletes on the field outside <laughs> of the six or seven down linemen that yeah. you have blocking for it. And it's like nobody's going to run down Devin Hester, not an offensive lineman who weighs 315 pounds, 320 pounds. None of those guys are going to get to him. So I was like, I would try to figure out a way in a, in that situation. Yeah, I'm kicking this field goal. There's a chance he might not make it. If this guy tries to run it back, all I've got is offensive linemen and defensive linemen working the corners trying to catch this guy. We got to try to find a way to get maybe some linebackers or or something like that. Somebody with some speed that might be able to run this guy down. Yeah, you'd think you'd. I mean, so like. Most teams, field goal block teams, like you said, it's it's about seven offensive linemen and then a couple of tight ends on a wing and maybe and sometimes you can get like a defensive end in there. Yeah. But usually it's your whole offensive line and then some tight ends and your kicker and your holder and right, your kicker and your holder. Brad are not Maynard, exactly not the most athletic yeah. guys on the team. So <laughs> you see, Brad you know. Maynard's son just got recruited or got a scholarship somewhere. I think Is that like, right? Yeah, I like, think like. Not Illinois, but somewhere around around there. So oh, okay. the second generation of Maynard is, is working his way up there in, you go. into the college ranks. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, speaking of special teams, I mean, we had one hell of a unit that year. Manley was our, was our long snapper. Robbie Gold was kind of hitting his stride. I think it was year two or three for him in Chicago at Pro that Bowl. point. Yep. Yeah. Makes the Pro Bowl. Brad Maynard. I don't know if he made the Pro Bowl that year, but he did nope. make a Pro Bowl for the Bears while he was, while he was there. I mean, just – I mean, just – 
classic special teams for the Bears. It's, it's, it's another opportunity to say, why hasn't Dave Tobe been a head coach in the NFL? This, at, I mean, and like That used to be a conversation, and then it stopped for a while. And then we don't have to go off on this full tangent. But then it started up again, like two or three years ago, after you had the Chiefs re-envision, and then now like no one talks about it again. And Yeah, I mean, and it's a conversation that my father likes to bring up all the time yeah. because my younger brother Michael went to school with Dave Tobe's son. Shane? Yeah. He coaches on the Bears. Yeah. Wow. So okay. Like, wow. There's your connection. Yeah. Shane's yeah. Shane's yeah. a defensive quality control coach. I think he played offensive line at Illinois. Yeah. Uh, but he was uh, an offensive lineman side by side with my brother at Carmel High School. Oh, oh, nice. So they played together. The same same graduating class, the whole nine yards. So Dave Tobe would be at the games and stuff like that. That's cool. To to see his son play uh, and everything. Coach. So it's like kind of like a sentimental thing with my dad. You know, he's met and spoken with Dave Tobe. He knows the guy. He should be a head coach somewhere for all that he's done. Uh, in the league. I mean, and the Chiefs playing in the damn Super Bowl tomorrow. He's a special teams coordinator for Kansas City, and they have some of the best special teams in the league yeah. as well. So you can't argue with the guy's record. And it's not it's not just the return. That's the thing. It's like people are like, well, he had Devin Hester, and he has Tyreek Hill. You're totally – people – and, again, we're, we're getting off on this tangent that we don't need to. This is <laughs> the Dave Tobe conversation everyone has had every year since 2006. Yes, they have had elite return men in terms of their physical schools, but those guys don't do it by themselves. There's 10 yeah. other guys that block really well for them on special teams, and they all of Dave Tobe's units cover really, really well. They block a lot of punts. They block field goals. I mean, they do everything on special teams, and they just so happen to have two of the most electric return men that have worked for Tobe. Right. In part because they want to work. You know, like Tyreek Hill wants to be there and wants to work for, for mm-hmm. Tobe. And, of course, Devin Hester, too, stayed in Chicago for so long because Dave Tobe was there, and, of course, you stay in that position. Yeah. So, yeah, so where are we at in the season right now? <laughs> well, we're jumping around a little bit here, and I guess uh, we could let, – let's move on to the playoffs here because I think, you know, we kind yeah, of okay. established what the team was. I mean, there were some ups and downs there. And well, before there we turn over the playoffs, the way. real quick, yeah. we had one major test later in the season. Over The Patriots – we go to New England to play the Patriots. Yes. Week and it was a – it was an actual – it was a ball game because I remember when the next time – that we played them. We had we had a very similar season in 2010. The Patriots ran us off the field in Chicago that day. But back in in 06, um, we went to New England to play the Patriots. It was kind of a mark. It was a it was a late afternoon game. It wasn't a Sunday night. Correct. It was a, God, a how late do you afternoon game. Remember that man? Because um, it was on Fox. And <laughs> again, how do you remember that that I was on Fox? I just do, man. <laughs> I, don't ask me how I remember it. I just do. But it was a late afternoon game. It was like that America's Game of the Week deal. And I just remember that it was a fight, but we just didn't quite have enough to beat them that day. It also does not help that Tom Brady, one of the least agile quarterbacks in the history of the league, shook Brian Urlacher. <laughs> It's like yes. one of Brady's oh, one of that. Brady's highlights. He's good. Uh, he gives like a head fake and fakes Erlacher. It's like, how did that happen? Come on, Brian. You're like literally one of the most athletic linebackers to ever play the game against one of the most lead-footed quarterbacks to ever try to run. You know, he ran. They could time his 40 with an egg timer, and somehow he still shook Erlacher to get an important first down in that game. And that game is is, it's one of those, again, like a Rex Grossman thing where it's like, you know, the Bears rushed for 150 yards, over four yards of carry. They were dominating the time of possession for a little while there. Bernard Berrien had five catches, 104 yards. Like, they picked off Tom Brady twice. They are both Charles Tillman. They had some pass breakups. They forced four fumbles in that game. And yet, 
The problem is Rex Grossman is 15 to 34 and throws three picks. You know what I mean? Like the passer rating of 23.7. Yeah. Everything else was in place to beat Tom Brady, and they were eight and two Patriots at the time, eight and three. So they would have been seven and two heading into the er, seven and seven and three heading into the game. Like that was a marquee matchup between a, a Super Bowl contending yeah. team, and the Bears did everything to win that game except for the quarterback. Yeah. Which again is the entire history of the franchise. Well, I mean that that's also you know as you know not to move too far ahead, but the Super Bowl. Yeah, same you thing. Know, we had everything that we needed to beat Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl except the quarterback, and that's why we fell short. <laughs> this episode of the Bearstalk Underground has been brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. And BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It really is the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past. 
And the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. But it feels like, especially like in the in the playoff games, like with Seattle, not as much. But new, you know, New Orleans, like Rex Grossman was getting the job done. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it wasn't like it was every week he was the league's worst quarterback. Like against the Seahawks, I know he threw a pick in there, but still had 282 passing yards. I mean, he wasn't he like efficient, shot but to, deep shots, yeah, vertical shot offense. Yeah. I mean, it was it was all there. And then Saints game, of course, they get a lot of help from the defense and they struggled finishing some of those drives with touchdowns, but like it was more efficient that game. They were able to just run the ball and run over teams. You didn't need Rex Grossman to be that big time playmaking quarterback. Like it seemed like they were good enough to win that game, the Super Bowl that season. They should have been good enough even without Grossman, especially the Saints game. I mean, the defense and special teams were good enough that, you know, you almost beat Tom Brady without Grossman. You beat Drew Brees. It seemed like pretty much every step along the way, you were were either there or right there. And then, for whatever reason, it just wasn't enough against Peyton Manning. Yeah, which was kind of frustrating. I mean, we'll talk about the other playoff games first, but it's just like going into that game, of course, for the first time in Super Bowl history, weather was a factor. <laughs> yeah. And you figured... In Miami, with, right? Yeah, in Miami. Yeah. With it being a factor that it would benefit the Bears, the team that ran the ball better. And the, the defense, the team that played defense and, and, and ran the football uh, and everything, you figured that would play into the Bears' hands. And unfortunately, it was the opposite. You know, it was the Colts that played better defense. It was the Colts that ran the ball a little bit better. Because yeah. if the Bears win that game, Thomas Jones is your MVP. Don't even get Thomas me Jones is your MVP on, on 15 carries. Yeah, he's your MVP. I mean that. There's. I mean that's the. Problem he had like right 120 there. yards. Yeah, on those 112 carries. yards on 15 carries. Yeah. So my, my quick math tells me that's got to be over five yards a carry. But I'm. I mean that's. Yeah. That's that's the travesty of that game that is really hard to live with. It's really hard to sit with. I it's, guess I think it's somewhere in like six or seven yards a carry. Actually, I'm pulling out my phone calculator. I'm filibustering. Times eight, 15 yeah. times eight is 120. Seven, so. 7.46. 7.4 so seven and a half. Carry. Seven yeah. and a half yards a carry in that game. And, well, because the problem is, you know, Dominic Rhodes goes for 113 and Joseph Adai goes for 77. I mean, they, they handed the ball off 30 times and pretty well controlled the clock. And, again, you get the turnover. And that was actually oh, something when I had Olin Krutz on the show that we talked about was yeah. things that, you know, the, the what-if things. Number one, that Vikings game towards the end of the season, that's where we lost Tommy Harris to a hamstring injury. Yes. Uh, we also, you know, we talked about the what-ifs. If Mike Brown is there then we don't have rookie Daniel Manning making a rookie mistake and biting on Dallas Clark coming yeah. across the middle and leaving uh, Reggie Wayne wide open. God, Mike Brown doesn't that. make that mistake. No. You know, Mike Brown doesn't make that mistake. And Tommy Harris being in that game, we're way more effective against the run than we would have been without him. Uh, and that know, interior and pressure, like that. too, would yeah. have been. Yeah, absolutely. The interior pressure. Like that, I mean, think about that touchdown pass to Reggie Wayne. Tank Johnson just barely got there yeah like Manning had just enough time for Tank Johnson you know to make the hit but Manning got the throw off Tommy Harris gets home and you know like, that kind of thing who's even their other defensive tackle in that game Todd Johnson too I mean it was it two Johnsons in there like 
In the, you know what I mean? Like Todd Johnson was a safety. I think uh, Dusty Dvorak. Oh, Dvorak. I was thinking there were two Johnsons too, but well, but it must have been Dusty, and he didn't record it. Like I'm looking at like the defensive stats of that game. Was Adonijah like, playing inside that year? I know he was a defensive end for us. Maybe he was playing interior that year. He didn't record a tackle in the game. Let me see if I can piece it together here. But th- we clearly they were lacking on yeah. the interior there. I mean, they, had, they got edge guys for days. I mean, Mark Anderson and and um, Ogunle, Alex Brown, and, yeah. and maybe they rotated them inside a little bit, but. Yeah, Tommy Harris, I think, would have been a pretty big difference maker. Yeah, Tommy in that game. Harris was a savage, Ugh. especially in those early years. Um, uh, the, for the first, like his rookie contract, he was an absolute uh, beast. And then when he got he got the contract extensions, when he started getting hurt. Yeah, man. Well, what about so? Let's go back before we get too deep in the Super Bowl. Yeah. let's hit that that Seahawks playoff game first. Uh, yeah, fun game, man. A lot of fun. My favorite drive of the season took place in that game. Really. Yeah, I, it was the Seahawks playoff game because I actually watched it on, uh, I think it was like Facebook or YouTube, one of the two, not too long ago, actually. And it was a drive where the Bears ran like nine consecutive plays. Uh, Thomas Jones, three yards here, four yards here, eight yards here, that kind of thing, caps it off at the end with a touchdown. Like the Bears just imposed their will on the Seahawks in that game and ended it up with a touchdown, just ran the ball right down their throat. Yeah, I mean, that's that was like, again, like, this team is special. I mean, this team mm-hmm. is built for it. This team is special. This team, I mean, I know it wasn't like a, it wasn't a blowout in the sense of like the, the Saints game where like you dominated them, but like to be able to hold on in the playoffs, like this was the battle test. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I know they were battle tested a little bit early in the season. They beat the Seahawks earlier in the season, but like the Seahawks in week four or whatever is different than the Seahawks in the wild card playoff games. You know, like yeah. these yeah, this contending is, Seahawks. Well, you know what? The Seahawks earned the right to come to Chicago. That was the famous Tony Romo fumbling the snap. Game. Oh, and the, and the extra point yeah. at the end. If, I think, was it an extra point or was it a field goal? I was thinking it was extra point. It might have been a f- Yeah, you know what? I think because if, if they make the extra it. point, they tie the game. And because they lost it by one point. So I think you're right. So, but either way, that was the one where, where Romo fumbled the. Yeah, they uh, lost it by one. Lost, lost the snap and then got tackled short of the first down. That won the game for Seattle. That's how they ended up coming to Chicago. Otherwise, we're playing the Cowboys that week. And why did, why did, why was Tony Romo the holder? Because was he their starting quarterback? Because he I threw think that he game was in 06. But then, so why was their starting quarterback their holder? That's, I think he just, I think he was the holder while Bledsoe was yeah. the quarterback, and he just. But yeah, that was it, I guess. yeah. It was it was a field goal attempt. It was fourth and one at the two, mm-hmm. and it was a field goal attempt. And he actually did get a, a hail mary attempt even after that later on. But yeah, man, wow, yeah, wow. <laughs> it's amazing how that stuff all comes together in that yeah. way. But it's like the Seahawks come into town. They had this you know crazy emotional win at home uh, against the Cowboys. But and obviously they're a much different team than the one that we saw week four. They're battle tested. They got this big win in the playoffs. Here they come into Chicago looking to redeem themselves after a 38-6 to drubbing or 37-6, to whatever it was, uh, week number four. And, you know, it was a, it was a back-and-forth dogfight between yes. the two. I mean, it went to overtime, and it was Robbie Gold that had to win us the, field, win us the game uh, in overtime uh, against the Seahawks. And the Bears, by the skin of their teeth, you know, the number one seed just barely gets past. Uh, I think the Seahawks were the four that year to get to the uh, – to get to the NFC title game. And that was another one of those games where it's like everyone 
tried so hard to kick it uh, to avoid kicking it to Devin Hester like in overtime uh Ryan Plackemeyer the Seahawks punter punted it 18 yards on his punt just shaked well, it out bitch, of bounds don't the, give it to Hester you know, the real bitch about that one in Seattle's Hester ran one back in that game and the got one, called back for a penalty the one that he he like muffed it and then or yeah. he like bobbled it or muffed it he ran it, it back for yeah. a touchdown yeah. and it, it got like a block in the back or something like that uh, brought it back, you know. Yeah. What would have been like a 70 or 80 yard return ended up being like a, a 15 or 20 yard return after the penalty. And there was a play, there was this moment earlier, there was back to back interceptions where Grossman gets picked off and the next play, Matt Hasselbeck gets picked off and they were just exchanging the ball. They, they, that's how back and forth that game was. I mean, not yeah. only good offensive plays back and forth, but then. Yeah, there was, that we, we, we stuffed Alexander on fourth and, fourth and inches. One. Yeah. yeah, fourth and one, fourth and inches, something. Like that, they didn't Briggs made a big tackle or something like that. It was, it was Lance Briggs. How the yeah. hell do you remember that? Dude, it's just, I, I remember the. Yeah, I mean, jeez. I'm a visual thinker. I just so pulled up the play. Sean Alexander, left guard, minus two yards, tackled by Lance Briggs, fourth and one. <laughs> two minutes left in the fourth quarter. Like, yeah, that was that huge. was tie game, twenty four all. Yeah, just outside of field goal range in Bears territory. Man, yeah, what a game a, that was! A big game. So that, so that was their like. All right, we we can. We can hang on and win in clutch moments. We can go toe-to-toe and go to the end. And, of course, they ride that in the NFC Championship game against Drew Brees. And, man, I remember that drubbing pretty pretty thoroughly. That yeah. was and it, But that the was thing is, it didn't start out that way. No, but what, by, by the second half, I mean, once you're in, in there in the second half and what, running the, it up what, at the, the end. The turning point in that ball game was the safety. Yes. Because after that, we were off to the races after that. That's when the offense finally showed up and scored a touchdown. That's when the, you know the the defense really turned it up and got another strip sack, a Gunlier sacks, uh, Drew Brees, and it was one of those where they had to go back and review it. Like he sacked <laughs> yeah. Drew Brees, and the ball gets comes loose when he hits him. A Gunlier recovers it, so he got a clear recovery. He stands up; he's got the football in his hands. They originally just ruled it a sack for the for the for the Saints, mm-hmm. but they go back and review it, and they actually see the ball came loose. A has got it when they hit the ground. Turnover, fumble for the Bears, first down Chicago. Uh, in, on like the, in like the red zone, basically. Like yeah. they, it was the Saints were backed up near their own goal line. I mean, they got the ball, and it was it was basically handed them a touchdown. But, yeah, I mean, and then, yeah. and then the fourth quarter was just like, it was like heaven on earth. Because <laughs> that's what, that that's was, what sits with me, for You know, sure. Cedric Benson scores a touchdown, and then there was that, that touchdown for, for Jones where he was running right, reverses the field, cuts back and goes left. Yep. And him and Des, like he's following Desmond Clark into the end zone. He falls in there. Now it's like 39 to 16 or whatever the score was. And it's just like, oh, that's it. That's yeah. it. We're going to – we're up like four scores with like three minutes to go in the game. This thing is we're going. To, that was the we're going to the Super Bowl moment, yeah. right? I like, mean, like that was – Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was downtown Chicago. Uh, a buddy of mine and uh, two of my college buddies we met up to watch that. So we're downtown Chicago in a sports bar watching that. I mean, it's just oh, What a place to be. I mean, yeah. close to the best, second best place besides Soldier Field to watch yeah. that game. Yeah. And we're, we, um, we're going to my, my buddy's girlfriend's house. As she was live like four blocks from the, from the bar to watch the AFC Championship game. And Colts Patriots? Yeah. That's, okay. That's what I thought. Another historic game, actually. the snowy one? No, that was the one where the Patriots – Pick six, Manning to go up twenty-one to three at halftime, oh. and the Colts come back in the second half to win it. Man, so just a crazy, crazy AFC title game. But 
you know, walking back, walking through the streets of downtown Chicago after the Bears win the NFC title game was chaos. People walking in the streets. It's nothing but horns honking. You're hugging and high-fiving random people uh, on the street because the Bears <laughs> like are they going. The Super Bowl, yeah, the Bears are going to the Super Bowl. First time in 21 years we're going back, and, you know, we did it. It's real. We're going back to the Super Bowl. Oh, man. And it's like that that same feeling, like, it rode through Super Bowl week, you know, like the, the media week and stuff and, like, the excitement and the energy around the team, and then it rode all the way through the opening kickoff, right? It was yeah. like it was like a continuation of that fourth quarter. And yeah. and from that moment, it's like you, you – at the moment, you thought you knew. You thought we're like, okay, we got it. Like this is it. We we're, we got it. You know, like yeah. Bears are gonna win. Like we, this is it. We did it. This like- is it. We're here. <laughs> and for me, um, I was I was uh, at home the day that the Bears arrived in Miami. Mm-hmm. So I'm seeing them get off the plane, and it's just like they're here to play the Super Bowl. It was business. Yeah, it it's was like business. they are here to play the Super Bowl. How many of these have I watched on Sports Center or? whatever where it's like yeah the nfc champions have arrived uh you know for the for this week's festivities to play uh in this weekend super bowl and it was the giants or the 49ers or anybody except the bears Mm -hmm. and now here it was the bears there's a big bear logo on the side of the plane the nfc champions are here and it is the chicago bears it's just like this is happening yeah my team is playing in the super bowl how awesome is this? Because even though I was alive and around and I remember Super Bowl twenty, I don't remember everything else about, you know, yeah, like the lead the, up to the game. Yeah. It also was a different time. It wasn't quite as, you know, there was no NFL network. There was barely an ESPN uh, at the time. So it wasn't I mean, you couldn't escape it in the local media on the news and, you know, all that kind of Everywhere. stuff. But it wasn't the you know, national, you know, deal that it that the Super Bowl has become. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, and everything. I mean, I think they still had like a like a high school band halftime show or something like that, as opposed to Prince being the halftime show <laughs> for the Bears and the Colts in Super Bowl forty one. Still, in my opinion, one of the best halftime shows of all yes. time. Oh, for sure. Man. So but yeah. <sighs> wow. It was uh but the lead up to that game was was really something else, man. It just you know the 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 Bears and 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 you know we're going up against Peyton Manning uh, and and everything that the 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 Colts had this meteoric rise. Uh, were a wild card team that year and you know ended up hosting the AFC Championship game just because um, you know the one and two seeds went down uh, in in mm-hmm. the playoffs that year. So it was just I think it was like with Patriots Colts it was like four versus five or four versus six or something like that in the AFC championship game. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Man, it was kind of a, that's a strange year, I mean, yeah. <laughs> the AFC. But I just remember, like, as I'm looking back at it, so you get, you know, you get the 92-yard, oops, you get the 92-yard kickoff return touchdown to start the game. And, of course, like we said, oh, we're doing it. But then, like, what, what I think gets overlooked a little bit is that very first Colts drive, Chris Peyton Harris picks off it, yeah. Peyton Manning, and yeah. it's like, Oh, we got this! Yeah. Like we got the special teams, we got the defensive touchdown. Well, I mean, like, and then it was like it was it just it piled on because we picked that pass off from from Manning. You know, it's almost like he threw it right to Chris Harris. It's like, yeah. oh man, yep. You know, we rattled him with that with that kickoff return. Look at him. Uh, you know, we got the early interception, so the defense did its job. Then, like, like you know, a couple of plays into the drive, Jones breaks one for a big run 
were inside the five yard line after they after they push him out. The Moose and Muhammad touchdown. We're up fourteen nothing. Yeah, I was going to say that there was one drive in between there, but yeah, no, that's uh, the Peyton, no, the Peyton Manning had scored. Oh no, but, that was the Reggie Wayne. So it yeah, was like seven to six. It, yeah, it was seven seven because they missed the extra point or they blocked. Yeah, you're it right. It was no like good extra point, but the fifty three yard Reggie Wayne touchdown was so yeah. So they picked off Peyton Manning, Bears go three and out, Colts get it back, they score on the Reggie Wayne drive. Then it was the Vinatieri kickoff that Gabe Reed caught short, ah. and then he fumbled it, and the Colts recovered it, but on the very first play, Peyton Manning strip sacked by Mark Anderson to get the <laughs> ball back to the Bears. Then the first play after the strip sack is the Thomas Jones 52-yard breakaway run. Right. So, I mean, it's just, I condensed it there for you. You know, just kind of fast forwarded, but 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 again, it's it's but that's that's how it it's went. two defensive turnovers in the yeah. first six or first ten minutes of the game, and the Bears are up fourteen to six in the first quarter of the Super Bowl against the Colts. Yeah. Defense is working, running game is working, special teams obviously working, but then you get another Cedric Benson fumble on like the one of like two plays he actually he played in that, that game. Play. We never saw him. Yeah, again the rest and, of the game. and that was. And it kind of was all downhill from there because then you get the Vinatieri field goal and then you get Dominic Rhodes scoring on a touchdown and another Rex Grossman fumble in there. They just kept giving the ball back to the Colts and couldn't consistently finish drives with any points. It wasn't just like the field goals earlier in the season. It was like they couldn't even quite power through to field goal range to get something on the board. Yeah, and, and the frustrating thing was that until Kelvin Hayden returns that play, returns that pick six from Grossman for a touchdown... The Bears were still. It was twenty-two to seventeen when Hayden runs that kickback. Yes, or that, not the kick, pick. but the interception. Yeah. It was a twenty-two to seventeen game, so it's a five-point game. The Bears can take the lead if we score on this drive. We can. We'll be up. We'll be up twenty-four to twenty-two if we can score a touchdown on this drive. And instead, Hayden runs it back. Now it's a two-score game at least. You know, as far as touchdowns and stuff are, are concerned, and the Bears never really recovered. From that, from that intercept, because like you said earlier, that was there was eleven minutes to go in the game, so the yep. the game was far from over at that point. But that just seemed to be the dagger right there, where it was just like you know, it looks like the Colts are going to win this thing because yeah, it was it was back to back interceptions too. So it was the pick six to Calvin Hayden. The next drive is the pick by Bob Sanders, where he's thrown deep to Bernard Barry, and he's just trying to get the vertical game yeah. going there. He's, and it's the Arizona game all over again. He's, yeah, he's pressing and just trying to make something make something happen instead of taking what the defense has given him and the you know the defense taketh away is what they're going to do. And I was looking back and I I didn't it didn't occur to me until this point in the podcast like 5 minutes ago that Pro Football Focus went back and graded all the 2006 season that oh that's boy. as far back as they go. So I'm looking at the Super Bowl numbers, not even for the grades but like so the Bears uh against the Colts defense there, Rex Grossman was blitzed one time. The rest was no, and so both of his interceptions came while he wasn't under pressure. He was, he was ten passes under pressure, nineteen not under pressure, and from a clean pocket, one pick or one touchdown, two interceptions. I mean, it, it wasn't as though the Colts' defense was necessarily rattling him all game. He was just pressing. Well, the Colts weren't very good on defense. No. I mean, the defense stepped up in the playoffs because I remember that vividly. Remember, my 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 buddy was a huge Colts fan. Remember, I'd I'd seen. The, the Colts play their season opener in person in Indianapolis. So I followed the Colts uh, very closely, watching them uh, throughout the year. And, you know, the playoffs, you basically watch every game in the playoffs. And I watched them play against the Chiefs in the, in the wild card round. Everybody thought the Chiefs were going to murder mm -hmm. the Colts because they were only a couple of weeks removed 
from a game that they played against the Jaguars where Maurice Jones-Drew ran for like 600 yards <laughs> against the Colts. Like yeah. He literally, they destroyed the Colts in that game. Who was the other running back that they had with him? Was it was Joe, Jones or Taylor? Fred, Fred Taylor. Fred yeah. Taylor, yeah. 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 But it's like, you know, I just remember Maurice Jones-Drew, like one of the first plays of the game, he was like 80-yard touchdown run against the, and that was one of several that he had in that game. He really just ran it up against the the Colts. So th- everybody thought the Chiefs in the in the in the opening round against the Colts, where they had Larry Johnson when he was at the height of his powers, were just going to run the ball right down Indianapolis's throat. Because I remember I was I think like um, uh, you know Dan Yurko and Harry or whatever it was that old school ESPN one thousand mm-hmm. show. They made a joke like, yeah, it's. Uh, you know, it's already Tuesday, or it's only Tuesday, and Larry Johnson already has two touchdowns against the Colts. <laughs> you know, like that's how you know how bad they were against the run. They weren't exactly a, a world-beating uh, defense. But Bob Sanders, who had been hurt all year, comes back in time for the playoffs, and that really made a difference for them. Yeah, and I'm, I'm looking over that Colts defense from the Super Bowl, and it's not a lot of household names. Right? I mean, Antoine Bethea, Bob Sanders, yeah, Dwight Freeney, of course, is a pass yep. rush. Robert Mathis. We remember Calvin Hayden for the interception, but he wasn't exactly a, a household name. But, like, yeah. they Woodrow were starting. McFarland's on that defense. Yeah, you're right. He, he played a decent amount of snaps. He started at, at nose tackle. I didn't even realize that. Uh, but Cato June at linebacker was awful. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, guys like that. I don't remember. Jason David at cornerback sounds like a made-up guy in Madden. Like a, a, <laughs> a, a user-generated, a computer-generated yeah. rookie out of the draft. The other slot cornerback, Marlon Jackson. I, I Linebacker Rob Morris. He, he got the interception that won him the AFC title game. Really? He picked off Brady to seal the victory. I don't remember it was him at all. I remember, I, I never remember the guy's name that was the announcer for the Colts, um, but I remember his call. I remember hearing it. Marlon Jackson's got the interception. We're going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, I just remember him. Uh, and I also remember hearing his his radio call of Hester. It's like, and Hester's got it, and he's, bro- and he's at the 30. He's at the 20. Touchdown Bears, you know. It's just, <laughs> he was one of those announcers. He lived and died with the team. God bless yes. him. And he wore his emotions right on his on his right on his heart on his uh, shirt sleeve, man. He he you felt everything. So if, if the Colts did something great, he was at the top of his lungs. If something bad was happening, he was like, Oh God, this is happening again. But it's, you it's, know, kind of thing. I keep coming back to like you know, like I said, the Colts never blitzed Rex Grossman one time in the whole game, and I believe it was a, a slot cornerback blitz. But, like, it was pretty much just every snap was Freeney, Mathis, Brock, and McFarland all rushing the quarterback. And they got, like, Freeney had three hurries. Mathis had two. I mean, the, we had an outstanding offensive like, line. It was man. like it was a handful of passing plays in the whole game that, like, Rex Grossman was legitimately affected by the opposing But, defense. I mean, that offensive line we had um, – John Tate was when it is one of his final years. Yeah, he was so good still. Yeah, Garza was our right guard, I believe. Yes. We had Olin Krutz was our center. Um, the old school veteran at the at the guard spot. Uh pulling it up here. Ruben Brown. Brown. Ruben Brown was spent all those great years in Buffalo. And uh then our left tackle. Tate was at left tackle. Fred, Tate was that's right. Fred Miller was Fred at right Miller tackle. was our yeah. right tackle. See, I've got the that's PFF right. sta- yeah, snaps up for that game. Well, Tate played right tackle forever, and yeah. then he moved over to the left side yes. when we signed Fred Miller. So, and Fred Miller was like a late uh, off season, like like right before training camp yeah. kind of signing. That like he right. joined the team at the last minute, and you know came in as at our right tackle. I mean, they were outstanding. 
uh, together, that whole unit. They were fantastic. So it's not really that surprising that Freeney and Mathis weren't dominating yeah. in that game because like, our offensive line was solid that year. There was just no excuse for Rex Grossman. You yeah. know what I mean? It, it well, was, I, it was, yeah, that's the point you're was trying all to him. make. Like, you like, know what I mean? Like, not that anyone was trying to give Rex Grossman an excuse. Yeah, but he, didn't, he didn't have Bobby Massey and Charles Leno covering yeah. his, his blind side. <laughs> Everything, pretty much every, I mean, you know, you could say, well, they could have, they could have done better. I mean, Desmond Clark was a good tight end, but not an elite tight end. I right. Mean, and they could have had better receivers. And, you know, I mean, there were things, and certainly the play calling in terms of running the ball enough was a factor. But, like, it's funny looking back at that game and that season, like, how uh, even that's only, like, 15 years ago, how much NFL offenses have changed. Like, mm-hmm. in that game, the Bears used three wide receivers, two tight ends, a running back and a fullback, and a little bit of Cedric Benson. You know yeah. what I mean? There was no fourth or fifth wide receiver that saw the field. There was no There was no spread offenses. There no. was no empty backfields like, or anything like that. The backup tight end played three snaps. The backup running played running back played three snaps. Otherwise, it was always either three wide receivers or a fullback in the mm-hmm. game with the tight end and the running back. Like, it was, man, it was yeah, very simple. Was, Larry's, Lovey's offense was very old school. Yeah, Ron, Ron Turner. I mean, yeah. it, it worked then. It wasn't like it was exceptionally weird at that time, but it's weird when we look back on it, like how vanilla a lot of that was. Yeah, to have a true blue fullback on the team. Well, and like, and here's here's your Rex Grossman passing direction. Um, on passes, ten or more yards downfield, three of ten. Uh, he w- he missed one pass underneath ten yards. He had one incomplete pass under ten yards. Everything else, it looks like. A quick math tells me fourteen, sixteen, eighteen. He was seventeen of eighteen on passes of less than ten yards, <laughs> and three of ten on the deep shots. I mean, he could not, including what two interceptions, two picks. Yeah, yeah, two interceptions on those deep on three out of ten. Yeah, oh for four on the twenty plus yard shots mm. with one pick in there. I mean, that's that's the story of your game. I mean, I mean, I guess you can you can kind of flip it to the other side and see Peyton Manning was able to hit the middle of the field intermediate pretty well there and well, they, spread it all around. They, they took advantage greatly of the Bears, of the weakness of the Tampa 2, which mm-hmm. has always been the middle of the field. And that's, yeah, as I look at the passing chart, that's right where they went, man. And that's and I remember we were talking beforehand. Like I definitely wanted to mention that moment of, of, of open frustration that Erlacher had. He's like yelling at the sidelines. You know, I guess he wanted to go after Manning. I, I guess he wanted to blitz more. Or something like that. But Ron Rivera was our defensive coordinator, who, of course, was taking cues from our defensive-minded head coach on what defenses to call against uh, the Colts. And the Bears were kind of playing conservative, kind of playing a zone, a drop back mm-hmm. kind of thing. Everything was in front of Erlacher, and they were just dinking and dunking their way down the field. Manning was MVP of the game, but he didn't throw for 400 yards. I don't even think he cracked 300 in the game. No, he was. I think he was like 280. He was upper 200s. Yeah. But, you know, to Erlacher's credit... They did end up blitzing a little bit more as that game went on. It looks like they blitzed Manning 11 times out of 40 dropbacks. Chris Harris had three pass rushes. Brian Erlacher and Lance Briggs each had four. They brought Hunter Hillenmeyer a couple times too. But like, it seemed like when they did blitz, it was more like an all-out obvious blitz as yeah. opposed to like a strategy that was built into the game plan. It was yeah. just all it's like, all right, Brian, you want to blitz here? We're going to blitz. But it wasn't it wasn't a dedicated part of their strategy, certainly. And a lot of the cover, too, shows... You can see all the completions are pretty much right up the middle and nothing deep to the outside on either outside the numbers. Yeah, because even the, the touchdown it. pass to Reggie Wayne was kind of down the left seam of the field, so they would consider that to be down the middle. Yeah, still still middle of the field there. Yeah, man, it's a shame. That, that whole game like, is a shame. When I when I had a chance to talk to Olin Cruz when I had him on the show uh, during the 2019 season, you know, he did mention how he and you know when when he and Alex Brown or he and Briggs or he and anybody from the 06 team talk about that year you know it's all like man 
we should have had that or we should have won that game or we should have, you know, this, that, or the other uh, kind of thing. It's one of those losses that sticks with you because they were better than how they played that day. Yeah, oh, for sure. And as I'm looking back in terms of, like, what Peyton Manning was trying to do, a lot of targets at Nathan Vasher in that game. A lot of Marvin Harrison on Nathan Vasher really trying to go that direction. Not as much in the Charles Tillman direction in terms of completions. And definitely, like, over the middle. You know, Erlacher, Briggs, and then, of course, uh, Daniel Manning. We really only gave up two catches, but it was the 53-yard touchdown to Reggie Wayne that you were just talking about. Yeah, that, yeah that'll, that'll be a problem because Chris Harris didn't give up anything. You know, I mean, it was, it was pretty much solid all the way around otherwise. Yeah, so, I mean, it's just... The checkdowns, too, to Joseph Adai were, yeah, were regular, Yeah, that was too. the frustration for, for Erlacher was that, you know, the Bears were, were dropping back to, to protect themselves from the deep shot. And so the, the Manning did what Rex Grossman basically refused to do, which was take what the defense has given you. So I'll take that five-yard completion to Dallas Clark, or I'll take that dump off to a die coming out of the backfield, or you know things like that to to make first and ten, second and four, or second and six, or something like that, as opposed to Grossman, who's trying to hit a home run every time he throws a goddamn ball. Yeah, Peyton Manning to Joseph Adai, ten of ten. Yeah. For 80 yards. I mean, it was just, yeah, it was all day for that. And then the Bears did a good job of stepping up and, and making those tackles. But eventually that, I mean, kind of like we saw with the Bears season, they, they did actually miss more as I'm looking at the numbers than I remembered them missing. But still, it, it wears it when it's Peyton Manning, like that that wears you down. And then when your offense can't get anything and turns the ball over and et cetera, et cetera, we kind of know the story. Yeah. So, but it's like the, he made the Bears strategy work against them. The Bears were protecting themselves from the deep shot. That's what the Tampa 2 was designed to do was to keep everything in front of you yeah uh kind of thing to manage everything that's in front of you you don't get beat by the by the deep ball and even manning with harrison and wayne you know and even dallas clark was a good deep uh mm-hmm. deep middle type type tight end and everything aside from a busted coverage that's the only big play the colts had in that game offensively otherwise it was you know three yards in a cloud of dust or it was dinking and dunking five yards here eight yards there you know, couldn't stop them. What was what was their third down uh, percentage in that game? Uh, give me a filibuster here for like ten seconds as I scroll <laughs> up on the page. Uh, Colts were eight of eighteen. Bears were three of ten. There you go. So there's there yeah. there it is right there. Colts eight dominated eight, time of possession. Eight of eighteen is like what forty five percent something like that. Because yeah, right under yeah. almost fifty percent. Yeah, right under there. So, but it's just like against the Bears defense, that's outstanding. You know, the Bears did not allow percentages like that throughout the year. That's why they were in the Super Bowl. I did, I did not remember the Bears. I mean, like, as we've talked through it, I think we've talked, we've mentioned four fumbles by the Bears, three, three, three overturned, like three lost. But when I, re, when I look at the numbers and see, yeah, Bears lost three fumbles and had five turnovers total in the game. Like, yeah. It's like, yeah, that's right, but I don't. I almost don't remember it exactly like that. It felt more like offensive ineptitude than it did like and I th- And I think turnovers. the reason for it was because we still had a chance to win the game despite yeah. all of those turnovers. Yeah. yeah. Because our defense was keeping us was keeping us in it. We had a free touchdown to start the football game. So, I mean, our offense only scored, what? Rex Grossman had one touchdown. Nine, That's 19, it. you know, I mean, we ended up with 19 points. Yeah, you know, seven, 17, 17, 17, 17 points. So and our offense scored 10 points. Essentially, yeah. Our offense scored 10 points because we got a freebie from the uh, from the special teams to start the football yeah. game. You know, we scored 10 points in that game, and we were never really out of it until after the Kelvin Hayden interception. But even then, we had almost the entire fourth quarter to reverse that, but Rex Grossman comes out, turns the football over again, and that just kind of, you know, popped the balloon. 
Yeah, it, it's and even even that uh, that t- that field goal by Robbie Gold, that was one where they pooch kicked off really short to avoid giving it to Hester, and then there was an unnecessary roughness on top of it. So the Bears started that drive at the Colts forty, despite <laughs> it being a kickoff. Where they they kicked off from the I think the, with their own thirty five is where they kick off to. Yeah. He kicked it off to like thirty four yards to. John Gilmore grabbed it and ran it back for 10, and then the 15-yard unnecessary roughness on top of it. It was like, well, the Bears started that drive in field goal range, not necessarily to the credit of their special teams, but still it wasn't like a 60-yard offensive drive to get down and score that field goal. The Bears moved the ball 24 yards on that drive and scored. Yeah. So I I think as I look back at this game, and, and I've been thinking about this more as we as Bears quarterback trade rumors continue to swirl, like I think back at this game and how well built they were to support a quarterback. And obviously they didn't have a good enough quarterback. And we felt that way for a long time in Chicago, right? That they've got a good team, you know, in 2018, Eric said that they've been a quarterback away a few times. And as I think back, and I don't mean to take it off. And this was anything else about the Super Bowl game that you wanted to get to before I kind of take this off to a different direction. But like, the like I feel like what we miss a little bit this offseason in, in the quarterback discussion that, that ties back to 06 is like the 2018 Bears had some similarities to the 06 Bears. I remember we had some of those discussions of like yeah. not exactly the not nearly as dominant as special teams and the defense wasn't quite 06 good, but it was very good. Yeah. And from 2018 to 2020, this past season, the quarterback didn't change no. and the quarterback play didn't change all that much. And yet that seems to be the number one thing that we all end up being really focused on. is the Bears got to get better at quarterback. They do have to get better at quarterback, but how did they go so quickly from the supporting cast of 2018 to the supporting cast of 2020? Yeah. And like, so like, you know what I mean? That's that's sort of my tie back to the 2006 is like, this was, this was a Super Bowl team without a very good quarterback. And the Bears felt like they were pretty close to a Super Bowl team in 2018 without a very good quarterback. And now we're talking about you know, trading all these draft picks. And I think Deshaun Watson is probably its own separate conversation because he's a Super Bowl caliber quarterback. But, like, there is so much more that this Bears team has to do to get good enough to win a Super Bowl, whether it's Derek Carr or Carson Wentz or Teddy Bridgewater. That is why I am against... I'm not against having Deshaun Watson. I'm against getting Deshaun (laughs) Watson. Because... We're we're not a quarterback away from the Super Bowl right now. Deshaun Watson will make a difference. He'll make us more competent on offense. Absolutely. Will he get us to the Super Bowl with the guys we have now? No, I don't believe so. I, I honestly don't think that we're a quarterback away from the Super Bowl. I think we're a quarterback away from being in the playoffs again. Yeah. But we're not a quarterback away from the Super Bowl. We still got a lot of work to do. And the picks that it's going to take to get Watson are the guys that we would need to build around him to get to that spot. Yeah, I guess I I put Watson in a slightly different category. So, like, I don't think... I wouldn't give up two first-round picks for any of the other quarterbacks that are available. No, 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 no. Because... No. But, but the, the thing that's different for me about Watson is, like, for me, Watson is a long-term trade. He's not a short-term trade. And all the other quarterbacks and are I short-term trade. I understand completely. Like, I do. Watson is... He, you trade for Watson because he's going to be your quarterback for the next 10-plus years. And right. so the idea is that once you've recovered from all the first-round picks you've given up... The, it, the, it's almost like you trade for Watson to rebuild, essentially. That's that's almost like how I see it. Like, you're getting rid of your really good defensive players with some draft picks, and you're kind of starting over with Deshaun Watson. He doesn't... Trading for Watson, I don't know how much better you end up being 2021. He doesn't get you closer in 2021, but he gets you closer in 2025 than, than you are right now. Sure. And Whereas, if you trade a couple picks for Matthew Stafford, for example, like that deal with... like. That doesn't make sense to me. The Carson Wentz, if it's going to be, you know, and maybe by the time someone's listening to this. And I'm hearing that the asking price for Carson Wentz isn't going to be anywhere near what
what people think it is. Somebody threw out two first round picks the other day on Twitter and. And yesterday I was listening to Hogan Johns, and yeah. they were talking about how the Bears might be able to get Wentz with a third-round pick. See, and with the contract that he has, it shouldn't take that much to get him. And yeah. I'm, I'm like hesitant to do this this quarterback conversation too much because like it's the kind of deal that could happen in ten minutes from now when we right, finish recording. No so like I'm, I'm hesitant to get too deep into the weeds on this, but like Wentz shouldn't because of the contract that he has, it shouldn't take that much to get him. And there's various arguments for the other quarterbacks that are available, but that's that's the point. Like you were saying, like. Trading multiple first-round picks, or even a first-round pick, depending on the quarterback right now, doesn't get this Bears team that much closer to where they need to be. They need the offensive line to play better. They need the wide receivers. They need the defense to play better. And it doesn't seem like... I mean, Chuck Pagano's finally kind of gotten the blame for what has happened since 2018, but like, we don't really talk about, or we don't put enough emphasis on like how much the the players and the rest of the supporting cast doesn't seem like it changed that much. Yeah. They just aren't nearly as good. And what the hell happened? Yeah. Like, <laughs> is it all Pagano? It feels it feels naive like, to say was, it's all Pagano. Was Adrian Amos really that vital to the defense? Right? Because it just seemed like Eddie Jackson lost his mojo when he lost his battery mate back yeah, there. Yeah, like it doesn't like Leonard Floyd. Yes, had a good season at the Rams, but he wasn't the reason the defense was so good before. Right. And you know, they got all the interior guys. The linebackers are the same. The you know the corner I mean the Prince of Mukamara is it you know you lose yeah. Prince of Mukamara and Adrian Amos and everything goes out the window it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't feel like that should be, or even like the offensive line it's like the same five starters almost as 2018 no because no, Kyle Long got hurt that year and then they were trying some different things out so I mean what but four of the same five guys have been here 18 19 and 20 and they've been up and down and all over the map and like yeah. is that coaching because they go from Harry Heaston to, to to Juan Castillo, and that didn't necessarily fix everything because right. Easton was coaching them when they were good in 2018. So I, 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 I don't know. I, that's that's the big question for me about this Bears team that is so overshadowed by the quarterback thing, and that's again the tie into 2006. Like build that because we're not going to be able to get a quarterback that's going to be a huge difference maker. We're not going to get the elite quarterback. That's just not where this team is right now, unless they get super lucky with a draft pick. And yeah. that's a lottery ticket chance of getting right. a difference-making elite quarterback. So you kind of got to build up everything else. And, you know, because Nick Foles can win a Super Bowl if you have a really good offensive line like you did with the Eagles and a dominating defense and some pretty good weapons and a running game. Like, not that you want to have Nick Foles as, like, we're putting all our eggs in that basket, but, like, right. there's a, a number of he's quarterbacks capable. you can do. Yeah, The situation has to be perfect, yes. but he's capable. Exactly. You know? And are you going to be able to get somebody that much better than Nick Foles? without giving up way more than it's worth. You know, if you go from yeah. Foles to Wentz or Foles to Derek Carr, it's a better quarterback. Yeah, for sure. But it's, is it worth, does it make that much of a difference to give up multiple draft picks or whatever? Or are you better off rolling with Foles and maybe take a rookie for long term and then... And that's why we shouldn't have brought Pace and Nagy back. Yes. Because if we're talking about someone who's going to be taking chances, it should be someone who's starting fresh versus somebody who's desperate to keep their job. Yeah. Because the desperation could make them do things like give up two first round picks for Matt Stafford. <laughs> <laughs> to you be know. fair in the Stafford thing, I think the only reason the Rams got two first round picks is because of the golf contract. I think sure it was, sure. they had to get rid of golf and the Rams weren't just going to take back golf unless they got something back. So, I mean, I think in a vacuum Stafford might not get two first round picks from every other team, but the bears were offering their first round pick plus more. Yeah. That was the report bears Whatever offered that was first round pick plus more for Matthew Stafford and Matthew Stafford's better than Nick Foles, but if you add, if you're giving up a first and a third, or a yeah. first and a player, I mean, I don't know, are the Bears better off with that first and that third, and Nick Foles versus what Stafford upgrade? I mean, 
it feels it feels kind of negligible there. Yeah. You know so, what I mean? I mean like, and Stafford's not made out of steel. Yeah. So giving up that first round pick eliminates the tackle that we would have drafted to protect him. And can we get somebody as good in the second round? Maybe, but you know, you're playing with fire there, and then we're not picking again until the fifth round because we gave up this year's fourth rounder to get back into the fifth round to take Darno Mooney. Yeah. No, 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 they traded up for Gibson, I thought. Travis was it Gibson? Gibson. I think Gibson. I thought it was Mooney. I got to double check that because I thought it was Gibson, but I could be wrong. Thank God I, for the Because Mooney was our last fifth round pick, so I think we. We traded back into the fifth round. Oh, Kindle. Oh, so they used three fifth round picks. That that's yeah. right. God. So Gibson was the first. Vilder was right. the second, and Mooney was the third. So I think that we gave up God. next this year's fourth rounder to move back into the fifth round and take Darnell Mooney. I was so thinking we, they went if, ahead. So say we're giving up a first and a third for Stafford. We got one pick in the second round, and then we're not picking again until the fifth. Google Google tells me ChicagoBears.com Bears traded twenty one fourth round pick to the Vikings for one fifty five, which they spent on Travis Gibson. Their first, they jumped ahead of their other fifth round picks okay. to get the guy who played the least out of any other fifth round picks this year. Yeah, but they had conviction. We have when we have conviction on a player. God me and Matt, we really try and uh, you know it was a collaborative effort, and we really felt and, you know that reminds me. I was just watching on the table, just like right now. Yeah. Your roadcaster and your laptop are on my table. Everything's, Everything's on the table. On the table. I, I was watching because I was teasing uh, the host of Lockdown Falcons, Aaron Freeman, because they hired the Bears passing game coordinator, as offensive coordinator. He was he was he tweeted something that like they, you know they're going to try and get a more athletic, big arm quarterback. And I was like, oh, enjoy Mitch Trubisky in 2021. Yeah. And I went back and watched because I was like, do you remember that video after right after the draft where it showed Pace in the draft room? standing up in front of it, and he's talking about all the different coaches and scouts that had Trubisky as their number one quarterback. Right. He's like, I remember that He's one. like, I had Adam number one, Champ Bailey, or Champ, Champ, what's the, the front office guy? They have Champ, a Champ Bailey, yeah. Champ Bailey's the cornerback, but they had a, there's a guy in their, in their front office that... Champ something. Yeah, Champ. His name was Champ. Champ something. Yeah. And you know, Champ had him as their number one, and scouting director had him as their number one, and Dowell Loggins had him as their number one, I had him as their number one. He goes, that's conviction. That's how we make a good decision, which... Yeah. Was the wrong decision, and for the point I was trying to make with that is that the, the Dowell or the quarterbacks coach at the time was Dave Ragone, who is the Falcons' offensive coordinator. He was not one of the names that I heard Ryan Pace say in that video. Had <laughs> Trubisky as his number one quarterback, so TBD on that one. But again, they they cite this like, oh well, we all had conviction on it, so therefore it is our best decision. And I, I guess that's a good process idea, but yeah. it, ah, do you have the right guys having conviction on well, it? Well, another name that wasn't on that list, John Fox. John Fox. Yes, he was our freaking head coach at the time. So, Deshaun, uh, uh, he actually wanted Watson. If we're taking quarterbacks, yeah, Fox wanted Watson, and he actually wanted Jamal Adams, like I did. Yeah, but he's like, <laughs> if we're taking a quarterback, I want Watson, not Trubisky. And some, was it Kyle Long that was just tweeting the other day about how the Bears sent their whole scouting staff to Clemson's pro day and didn't talk to Deshaun Watson? Yeah, they went there. They t- they did everybody else, but they it intentionally... was a sticking point for Watson. Yeah. Which is why he's... That was something he took personally. Yeah. So you think he's going to wave, wave his no-trade clause to come to Chicago for the last year of Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace? And I don't <laughs> think that, not. I don't think that one's happening. So you'll lucky for you, Larry, they'll get to keep their first-round picks, at least in that deal. Uh, yeah, for that at least. Yeah. So I just... Uh, you know, even though he's got guys like Michael Vick trying to convince him to come to Chicago. And God Danny Parkins what. is all over that, trying to convince Watson to come. But Yeah. I don't know. Uh, it's It's... It's going to be an interesting offseason. I think you and I are both kind of in the similar boat of like, don't go I'm too extreme. I'm scared to death, man. Yeah. I am scared to death. <laughs> it's like what they're going to do. Ryan Pace is like a wild card. He's like the he's the ex, he's the girlfriend who knows you're going to break up with him. And like <laughs> he's doing whatever he can to remind you that he loves you and that you need me around. Like, yeah. 
Well, I'm showing you. I'm gonna uh, buh, buy you flowers every day, and I'm see, gonna do all these nice I, things for you. I got you, Darno Mooney. I got yeah. you, Bilal Nichols. We're gonna go get uh, your quarterback, right? Got you. Went, went, got you, Cole Komet, and you know, because you know he'll go to the press conference and say Carson Wentz is gonna be the best quarterback in Chicago Bears history, yeah. which is true. But like, it's not a hard bar, high bar to cross. Yeah, and that doesn't that misses I mean, the bigger the point bar, that they need. <laughs> the, the, the bar is, is Jay Cutler. Is, is, well, it's not even Jay Cutler. It's what's his name. From the forties. Oh, uh, Sid Luckman. Sid Luckman. I guess modern Thank era. You. Yeah, the yeah. bar is. That's the bar. Yes, the bar. He's is the well. best quarterback in franchise history, and he played when the forward pass was still called the forward pass. <laughs> you had to designate. You know, I mean, it was. <laughs> it was. I mean, some teams. Some teams back then wanted the forward pass to be illegal. Back in the forties, when Sid Luckman was, was swinging saying, it around. I would say, had we had we won the Second World War when Sid Luckman was, we were still going. To the Second I think World Sid War. Luckman actually left the Bears to fight in the World War, and then yeah. came back and won us another NFL championship because we won four titles in the forties. Our our the, this franchise's best quarterback kicked Hitler's ass. Yes, like that's that's where we're yes, that's where did. we're working from. Yes, that's <laughs> that's what he did. So. Oh yeah. man! Well, that yeah, that's wow. that's uh, that's it's, so sad. It's funny how that how these conversations always kind of kind of circle up and end in that same way. Whether <laughs> you're talking about 2006, 2020, or 1942. There you go. Uh, well, it's been a lot of fun, Larry. To be honest with you, my laptop is uh, is very low on battery up to this Uh-oh. point, so we do so need we to gotta wrap this up. <laughs> we got to wrap it up. So, Lauren, thanks for for stopping by. Thanks for making the trip. Thanks for the first episode of 2021. And. Uh, yeah, so let's do it again sometime soon. Yeah. Maybe we'll do like a, a watch-along of some kind or, or whatever, whatever we can come up with. So uh, that's going to do it for this one, guys. We will uh, we'll see you on the next run. I don't know what kind of episodes are coming, but it's the off-season. We're going to get creative and have some fun kind of like we did here today. And there it was, guys, myself and, and Lauren Cox uh, face-to-face, uh, you know, and um, in the same room. I think you could probably tell just by how different the interaction itself was that um, we were definitely, you know, we, we could see each other. You know, this is the first time Lauren and I have sat face-to-face with one another to have uh, a conversation. And, and I think just listening to it, you really could tell uh, the difference uh, between – uh, us being in the same room together versus what it sounds like when when he and I are, are talking over over Skype and, and, and things like that. It, there's really something different about the conversation uh, when you listen to it. I had a fantastic time uh, having him come and visit. It was nice to have some company in these pandemic times uh, of ours, and, and I look forward to doing it again uh, sometime in the future for whatever reason, whether there's a theme to it or if we just get together to talk nonsense, um, you know, I'm sure that we'll find a reason to record it so you guys uh, can hear it. And uh, if you want to hear a, a condensed version uh, of it, be sure to listen to Locked on Bears because I'm sure that uh, Lauren uh, went through and, and cut out all the more interesting nuggets to share uh, with uh, with his audience over there uh, on the Locked on side. So, um Uh, Anyway, if you guys have any ideas for episodes that you want me to do uh, during this offseason, I am all ears. Um, I've got some ideas about how I want to handle the draft this year, but uh, I need a new draft guy. 
uh, because my draft guy has uh, kind of retired, shall we say. So uh, I'm looking for someone else to, to help me out uh, with the draft uh, this year. I got some different ideas on how I want to handle it, uh, at least for now. Uh, the Bears have a first-round pick to uh, to uh, to use this year, so I kind of figure want to pay a little bit closer attention to the draft since we're going to be drafting uh, on night one for the first time since 2018 when we took Rokon Smith, or at least that's how it stands right now. My stance on that might change if the Bears pull the trigger on any of these uh, trades that are they're rumored uh, to be a part of right now, whether it be Carson Wentz or David Carr or whoever, you know, Deshaun Watson, God forbid. Uh, you heard uh, Lauren and I talk briefly about that. We didn't want to dive too deeply uh, into those waters because, like Lauren said, it's a fluid situation that could be changing uh, any moment. Like um, we recorded our conversation when he was here on Saturday. I'm recording this on Sunday morning or Sunday early afternoon, uh, I should say, still a few hours before kickoff uh, of the Super Bowl, and this is going to be dropping uh, on Monday. So we're going to be almost 48 hours removed from the conversation by the time anyone gets to hear it. So uh, a lot of things can change in that time. I've been reading a lot of tweets about the Carson Wentz thing heating up and, and what the possibilities are uh, there and uh, and everything else. So we didn't want to dive too deeply into the conversation, even though we, we couldn't resist. We did give a few minutes to it, uh, despite the theme of our conversation. But, um, you know, um, but if you guys have any ideas uh, about uh, episodes you want me to look into, whether it be like uh, a watch along uh, of some kind, you want me to uh, you want to sit down and join me while I while I watch a uh, an old school Bears game that I can dig up on on YouTube or something or, or, or whatever, you know, throw it out there. Remember last year I was doing uh, what if episodes. Lauren and I got together to talk about the. Uh, the, the possibility, it was before it was made official that there would be a seventh seed uh, in, in each conference this year and what, what the seventh seed would have, how it would have affected the Bears in previous years and, and um, what their road in the playoffs may have looked like had they been lucky enough to be the seventh seed, which they would have been on, on a few occasions. As a matter of fact, at least two times during the Lovey era, they would have been the seventh seed had one existed uh, at the time and how that may have changed the history of the team because uh, Lovey pretty much never went back to the playoffs. Um, well, he did in 2010, but between the Super Bowl in 2006 and the NFC title uh, game run in 2010, the Bears missed the playoffs in 07, 08, and 09. So, um, you know, I think we would have made the, the seven seed at least one time in that span. And then I think again in 2011 or something like that, um, who knows how that would have changed. I uh, remember we had um, um, Keon Myers uh, or your boy Q from Locked on Raiders. We had him on to have a conversation about what it might have looked like had the Bears and Raiders participated in the trade that would have gotten uh, Elway uh, you know, traded to Oakland or I think L.A. at the time. Uh, I think the Raiders were still in Los Angeles at the time or they had moved to Los Angeles at the time and stuff like that. So if you got any kind of what if scenarios you want me to try to, you know, uh, hack out with somebody or or whatever, throw them my way. You can hit me up on uh, on Twitter. It's at uh, BTU underscore Larry uh, on Twitter. Uh, there's the, the, the Facebook group. Just search uh, Bears Talk Underground on uh, Facebook and uh, 
share your thoughts, share your ideas, something you want to hear me talk about uh, during this off season. I want to stay active. You know, now that the the season is officially over, or at least it will be, say in about uh, ten hours from where I'm, you know, where I'm speaking this, um, you know, I want to stay active uh, during the off season and not just talk about off season things. You know, I just don't want to come back and do a uh, you know free agency preview and review, a draft preview and review, and things like that. You know, but I'm. I'm I'm not so much a draft nick to the point where I can sit down and do an episode on wide receiver grades or, or, or anything like that. That's that's not my wheelhouse, you know. And then, um, the truth be told, that, that kind of conversation doesn't really excite me because um, because I'm not really you know um, uh, versed in that kind of stuff. It, it would be kind of boring for me to have a draft expert on to have him tell me. It basically would be him talking about you know the different receivers or prospects or whatever uh, in these drafts, as opposed to me actually taking a a strong part in the conversation uh, and things like that. So um, something along the lines of uh, you know what the uh, you know any any kind of ideas that you have. I mean, even if they're off the subject uh, ideas, uh, like I, I, we did an episode last year, myself and a good friend of mine, uh, Ryan Simmons, did our top ten sports movies or anything like that throw them out let's you know three throw it out there throw it at the wall see what sticks and uh we'll try to find a way to navigate our way through uh this off season that has officially begun god help us all six months until we see football players on the field again and uh or nfl players anyway the the lower level college teams are getting ready to take the field in uh starting in uh, at the end of february and into march on things like that like my alma mater western illinois uh starts their season I think either later this month or early in March, uh, they've got like a seven-game conference schedule that will be uh, taking place here in the uh, in the spring. So I might get to able, actually be able to watch some football. But uh, as far as like NFL uh, football, we're obviously done with that until you know if there is a preseason in in 2021 until that starts. So anyway, throw out your ideas. If not, uh, I'll be racking my brain uh, to try to bring you guys something. And uh, until then, uh, let's stay active. Hit me up on the Twitters and uh, the Facebook group and, uh, and whatnot, and uh, we'll see you on the other side. So until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bear Stock Underground.